0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: Man, it's been a long time to uh, stand up here with and, and have a smile. I know for myself, I, I mean, it was hard not to get emotional after that game. Just where we've been... Um, I mean, that's a long stretch, and it, it felt like forever ago, forever ago since we've won a game, and just to see the joy when we walked in that locker room, was, um, it, was, it was
0: pretty special. Matt LaFleur, Packers head coach, getting a much-needed win. They were 3-1, and one. then the bottom dropped out. They lost five in a row, beginning with that game in London where Aaron Rodgers got the thumb injury, and there was talk yesterday about the thumb still bothering and the thumb is still bothering him, but they got it done. And you know what one of the reasons they got it done, Miles, They ran the ball. It sounds boring. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's more exciting to watch Justin Jefferson climb the ladder and make the physics-defying catch. But you set yourself up to throw by having the ability to run. And I saw the, the numbers last night from ESPN Stats and Information. The percentage of run plays yesterday for the Packers, the highest – of any game in which Aaron Rodgers has started. They ran the ball, they ran it well, and that served them well in their effort to pull off the overtime victory over the Cowboys.
2: You know, that game kind of reminded me of something I've heard Matt LaFleur talk about from last year when the Packers played the Kansas City Chiefs. He said he wished he'd run the ball more, and it's just finally like, okay, look, this is how we need to break this down so that we will win. Aaron Rodgers threw the ball six times, only six times in the entire first half. And that thing was tied at 14 going into halftime. And so he ends it with 20 passes, all right, 14 to 20, 224, and three touchdowns. That's a really good, efficient day. But what you have is the Packers running for 207 yards. Aaron Jones has 24 carries for 138. Right, that's how they were able to win that game. They stuck with the run game. They were able to pound it right at the Cowboys who have a darn good defense too, but they were still able to do that. And if that's the way that the Packers are going to win games, it should be the way that they win games because the fewer times you have Aaron Rodgers throw it, the more times probably you're going to have him be effective because if you run it that much, that means the defense has to stay keyed up for it. You can't just start thinking, oh, well, it's just Aaron Rodgers out there, so we know we're going to have to cover. And, hey, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been necessarily as accurate as he's been in the past, so we can key in on different things. No, 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 no. You have to stop the run for all four quarters. If that's the way the Packers are going to keep playing, maybe they're finally going to get on this run. We thought that they're going to get on.
0: And the passing that they did, a significant percentage of it was from play action, which is one of the benefits of running the ball well because they think another Mm -hmm. run play is coming. As you get gashed, as you get gassed, and as you think here comes another one, you overcommit to try to stop it, and that exposes you. And then Aaron Rodgers can do Aaron Rodgers things, but they put too much on him, they expected him to do too much, and now they're finding a groove, and they have to stay in it. they got a short week, Titans coming to town, it's going to be a challenge Aaron Rodgers to get that thumb ready to go he typically doesn't practice on Wednesdays he tried to practice a couple of Wednesdays ago and he acknowledged it was a mistake is he going to be ready to throw and throw it well on Thursday night or you know was the plan yesterday to run and run and run influenced in large part by we don't want Aaron to throw more than he otherwise would or as much as he otherwise would because we have to turn around and play the Titans on Thursday night. This was a two-game combo, and that's what Aaron Rodgers said last week. We're going to learn a lot about this team the next two games, Cowboys and Titans, and we learned a lot yesterday. They dug deep, and they beat a team that was coming off of a bye, and it's always harder to beat a team coming off of a bye because they've had 14 days to get ready for you. Let's hear from Aaron Rodgers on bouncing back after the very disappointing loss in Detroit in Week 9.
3: Last week – was well, definitely a low uh, rock bottom ish for sure not in the de- depressive uh, uh, isolationism way, but more disappointment and I felt like that that was the bottom and it was only up from there um, I think a lot of the a lot of the battles that we face are between eye and eye, between the person that can go out there and dominate and knows that they can, and the little voice in your head that tries to knock you off of that uh, confident perch you're on. So I'm uh, happy that I knocked that voice back into hell and uh, had a good performance today
0: was down last week he was asked a question about how they they turned it around after losing to a team like the Lions and he was quiet for 13 seconds head down 13 seconds before he responded and it was just some of the same old cliches what we whatever whatever I don't even remember what he said it was just so basic and, and non-insightful but he didn't know what to do he was out of carrots he was out of sticks he had nothing he could do to try to get this team to get going and now they've gotten going and the best news beyond the fact that Aaron Jones had 138 rushing yards including a touchdown punctuated by an homage to Marshawn Lynch for which he'll likely be fined Christian Watson Three touchdowns. I saw that play live to Watson, and that kind of reminded me of the one that he dropped. First play from scrimmage against the Vikings after the Vikings had scored a touchdown to go up week one. Watson ends up with three of them yesterday. First rookie receiver to score three touchdowns against the Cowboys since Randy Moss Thanksgiving of 1998.
2: Well, he almost had four. I mean, if if he doesn't stop running on that one go route, because Aaron Rodgers lays the ball out there for him, he might have had a fourth one. And he was able to respond from that really well. But, I mean, this is now, I think, you're seeing Aaron Rodgers get trust in Christian Watson. It's kind of a shame that it's taken this long into the season for us to see that,
0: well, or for but him to do it. I mean, well, when you don't, necessarily don't necessarily of of the, when you don't show, not up for the surprise, you don't show for the off-season program, you come, when you don't, when, when you, you don't that, gather, yeah. Well, I want, I want to be the butthole in this one because I've been it all year. Okay. When you don't show up for the off-season program, even though they're paying you fifty million a year, when you don't gather your receivers and pay for their playing fare and put them up at a mansion somewhere wherever Aaron Rodgers lives in the off-season. When you don't do that and bring everybody together and get everybody comfortable, and they're all freaked out by you. You show up at training camp with the – did you show up with the Arthur Shelby I'll haircut you go. at training camp, right? And then they're all in awe of the guy. They haven't had a chance to get comfortable. It takes time to get comfortable, and now they're finally starting to get comfortable. Sorry. I wanted to be the one. I'm trying to protect you. I wanted to be the one to take the slings and arrows for being anti-Aaron Rodgers. So – I, I, well, I wasn't even going to be that
2: anti Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I just think that that's kind of like a fact of life, right? It is a fact. You know, it is the a more fact. you're around somebody, the more you're around somebody, the more comfortable you're going to be around them. So, you know, I mean, that's just, it's it just is what it is. So now we're starting to see the results of that. You're starting to see the, the chemistry come along with Watson, with guys like Sammy Watkins too. And so who knows, you know, as this thing continues, they get guys back. Randall Cobb will come back. Romeo Dobbs is going to come back. We'll see if this thing can keep going. But look, this is more or less what we thought we would see after they played the Bills a couple of weeks ago, right? Where it was like, oh, they're running the ball. Maybe they found something. They didn't necessarily find it last week against Detroit, division rival. But you play Dallas and you have that kind of game and you go into overtime and you win. And maybe actually they have found something this
0: time. The overtime period had a mini controversy because the Cowboys were facing fourth and three. I know we need to move on to the next game, but, but this is important to address the decision to, uh, Oh, and by the way, the Cowboys blew a 14 point lead heading into the fourth quarter for the first time in franchise history. Ouch. That's why we were saying last week, Mike McCarthy safe. Mike McCarthy doesn't have anything to worry about. Oops. After yesterday, Sean Payton, (laughs) Sean Payton, keep your phone on and keep it charged. Sean, you never know when that call is going to come. But McCarthy decided to go for it on fourth and three in overtime. They were in a spot where it would have been a, a, a longish field goal. Well, it would have been about 50 yards to go up three, and then yeah. the Packers have the ball. So they decided to go for it, and Mike McCarthy spiked the headset. Here he is after the game explaining the decision to go for it on fourth and three in overtime.
1: We were right on the line. Going north was the wind. You know, obviously we wanted to toss. They, they, they took the wind. So, you know, we were right on the – Right on the line for the field goal, and you know, hey, to be honest with you, I, I felt we needed to go for it. You know, I mean, we—I I called it on second down, especially the way the game was going. I mean, it was you know, big play uh, penalty, big play penalty, big play penalty. So, um, you know, our thing was just keep playing. We had good calls, uh, you know. Um, so, I'm, I'm 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 fine with the decision. Obviously, I know we didn't convert, but you know, fourth and three, um, you know, just didn't convert.
0: Hey, pro tip, by the way, Miles, this is something I learned at about your age, and I'm going to go ahead and waste some time and say this, because it's very important. People use that phrase all the time, to be honest. The better phrase is to be candid, because when you say to be honest, you're subtly implying that at other times you're just not. You're just not being honest. To be candid, I think, is what you mean. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's subtle, but it's important. Anyway. That that's my that's my big oh, picture that's... observation from that. And to be honest and candid, Mike McCarthy, who was very safe a week, ago, I saw that eye roll. I got a little per- is it peripheral? <laughs> if you can see what's going on below, it's not really peripheral. I don't know what it is, but I could see it. I saw it. To be honest, we got more games to talk about. And candid, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, everybody was saying last week, Mike McCarthy is definitely safe. He's definitely safe. It's like you, you, you're going to find out one game at a time, and you don't know what Jerry Jones is going to do. When he rolls out of bed the day after the season ends in a disappointing fashion because of some coaching blunder that Mike McCarthy may make in the playoffs like last year with that draw play that they called that they didn't properly execute, you never know what's going to happen, and Sean Payton's going to be there. He's going to be there, and this is your last chance to ever hire him if you're Jerry Jones because it's not going to come back around in a few years. He's going to go somewhere, and he's going to stay there. All right, we're going to go to Germany where the – Tampa Bay Buccaneers got the day started with a win over the Seattle Seahawks. Final score of 21-16. It didn't feel that close. And this is another example of what happens when you can run the ball. The Buccaneers had not run the ball effectively since their week one win, 19-3 over the Dallas Cowboys. They got it going. And you know what? Maybe it was enough of an affront to Leonard Fournette to not be the starter of the game. Rashad White, the rookie, got the start. Now, he didn't do much in the first drive. Fournette was back on the field or on the field, as the case may be, for the second drive of the game. But White and Frenette combined for 162 rushing yards. Frenette has a hip injury, left the game uh, in the fourth quarter, but, but th- this, is, this is exactly what the Buccaneers need. Run the ball to allow Tom Brady to do Tom Brady things.
2: Yeah, and look, I mean, this is kind of what we're talking about last week, right? Is this the start of Tom Brady really getting it going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Because that division is dog water in the NFC South. So all they got to do is just kind of stack some wins together. Maybe they'll be nine and eight. Maybe they'll be 10 and seven. Maybe they'll be seven and 10. But that's the best team in that division. And I think we finally started to see kind of some of that, I guess, dynamism that we've been missing from the the Buccaneers offense and from Tom Brady. Just some more of that fluidity that we have not really seen throughout the course of the year so far. And, you know, if it got going last week with the Rams collapsing in the last minute, then, you know, so be it. Now they are on a two-game winning streak. They're at five hundred. Everything is right there in front of them for the Buccaneers. So if it took a little bit longer for 45-year-old Tom Brady to get it going, then we're going to see over the rest of the second half of this season what the Buccaneers can actually turn into.
0: Brady has now won games in four different countries, the United States, England, Mexico, and Germany. First ever regular season game in Germany, and it had that Super Bowl vibe. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I thought the Buccaneers would win. Mm. Brady is going to feel very much at home in a moment, Pete Carroll was calling it like a college bowl game, and I get but it's bigger than the normal game, bigger than the normal stakes, more exciting, yeah. more of a buzz in the air. And you know, you, you go to stadiums, you can sense whether it's a run of the mill basic game or something special. And it was something special. They had three million ticket requests for crying out loud for that game. The German fans were going bonkos. For Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think that provided the lift. However, though, all that moment, I thought it was going to swing. Now, you know, there was a lot of talk over the weekend about the quality of fields. The the, the European grass pitches are not ideal for football. It reminded me of the Dolphins-Giants game from 2007. The first regular season game ever played at Wembley. On grass and the pitch oh, yeah. was slick because that grass is built for 175 pound soccer players, not 250 pound football players who are applying different forces and things are coming out from under their, you know, their, their, their hips are flipping and slipping. And do we have the Frenette interception on the, uh, they tried to set it up earlier and they made the comment. Oh, Tom Brady, uh, Leonard Frenette's taking a snap and Tom Brady's just standing there. Well, they tried to throw it to him oh, and it God. didn't work. And look, he's still got that tin man without oil vibe uh and and you know he slips and falls and then he trips Tariq Woolen but yeah he he found a way to make that play look even more ungainly than in Super Bowl 52 I think it was when he dropped the throw remember that one I don't know what's worse dropping the throw or falling down before you even get a chance to drop the throw
2: Look, I mean, I don't, when they ran the first play where Tom Brady was standing off to the side, my thought was the dumbest thing would be to try and run something off of that where they actually throw it to Tom Brady. Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, I'm serious. Todd Bowles should have taken that thing as soon as he saw it off the play sheet. Do not throw it to your 45-year-old quarterback. I left, which I expect better from you. And Tom Brady, I expect better from you too. Tell him don't throw it to me. You got to, at a certain point, you know, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. All right? We fold that play. Take that play out of the playbook. Never run it again.
0: Yeah, the rest of that lyric is, no one to hold them, no one to fold them, no walk away, and know when to run. He can't run. That's the problem. He cannot yes. He cannot run, even when he's running. I say this all the time. I've been saying it for years. First of all, it looks like he's a guy whose skis went down the hill and he's running down with his ski boots on trying to catch the skis. Or it looks like an NFL films, John Facenda's slow motion, but there's no slow motion. That's just how he moves. I don't know what they were trying to prove there, and uh, it was just not a good look. And I thought, man, maybe something is going to – some, you know, that maybe this is the spark for the Seahawks, but they weren't able to get it done. Um, and, and it would have been extra memorable for a couple of Seahawks who played football at West Virginia University, Geno Smith and Bruce Irvin, because to the credit I gotta give we gotta get the show on in Germany. I don't know how we would do the whole, you know, it's a different language thing. Translation thing. But they, they had the they had Country Roads. They were singing it. They know the words there it, it is. Yeah, yeah I, it was pretty incredible, unbelievable. Did you feel and now, a special? Now, now I will say this. I will say this. Turnabout is fair play. I still remember the words to "99 Luft Balloons" from 1984. <laughs> Are you familiar with "99 Luft Balloons"?
3: 99.
2: Give me a Luft music balloons. question. I got. It. I, yeah, yeah. I, I I know the music All stuff. Right. The movie stuff I, I don't got, but the, the music stuff I, I do. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, 99 Zigluf Balloons. Very good.
0: Uh, unfortunately, the whole message of 99 Love Balloons has become very relevant again this year, but let's forget about that. We got more football to discuss when we return. <laughs> Superlatives for week 10. More PFT Live right after this.
1: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected.
0: So, apparently, there is a poster that showed up at the game yesterday. The Tua receipts with all of the people who have said not-so-nice things about Tua. With Big Cat exempted, because apparently he's come around. Big Cat's been crossed off. There are two familiar faces there. Chris Sims and yours Truly. We are on the Tua receipts. Subtotal tip amount. Dude, that would be one hell of a dinner party. I will say that. But uh, I don't know that I want to get off that. I'm going to stay on there until he makes a big throw in a big spot. Now, Coach Garrett did point out that at Alabama, when he replaced Jalen Hurts, he made a pretty big throw in a pretty big spot. But I want to see a big throw in a big spot in an NFL game, in a playoff game, season on the line. Twenty yard out, a Jimmy okay. G throw. I want to see a Jimmy G throw that actually works, not a, you know, a reminder that there's a limit on what the guy can do. I want to see to a punch through that limit. I want to see him do something more than what this offense that's been constructed specifically for him allows him to do and calls upon him to do. And maybe he won't have to. Maybe they'll keep winning games exactly the way they are, and there'll never be a moment where you know he's got to do the what, what we saw Kirk Cousins do. And frankly, I wouldn't have thought Kirk Cousins could have done it. So there's always an opportunity for somebody to make a big throw in a big spot when you believe that they can't. Anyway, uh, it's superlatives time, and I'm, I'm taking your time because you want to give Tua some praise. So I'll shut up.
2: Oh, well, I was going to say, Tua can Tua, the Tua non-stands can be mad at you, but they should be happy with me because my first superlative this week is Super Tua because he was great. Yesterday against, uh, we'll call them my Cleveland Browns, because look, I mean, the Browns defense is bad. You know, they went through the Browns defense like through or Goose, and they had nine, 195 yards rushing. But talking about another strong game, all right, 25-32, 285 yards, three touchdowns, spread the ball around effectively. I mean, Tyreek Hill didn't have 100 yards. Jalen Wall didn't have 100 yards, but they were still really, really effective. He's now thrown for 10 touchdowns and no interceptions since returning from the concussion in week seven. Each of the last three games, he's had at least 285 yards and three touchdowns. All right, so he's been really good. All right, Mike, and you can say, oh, dude in the playoffs, dude in the playoffs, man. Nah, I'm just wearing a Vikings jersey over here because that's the kind of guy I am, and it was a game of the century yesterday. But Dua Tungvalu is still playing really good football, and
0: I am ready to acknowledge that. Hey, I'm not Cajun, first of all. I'm, I'm trying to figure out your, your voices. You've got that kind of mocking voice that you use that, that reminds me of when Michael Scott made fun of Dwight Schrute for being a nerd in the basketball episode of The Office. <laughs> but I don't know what that one was. That's a new one you're breaking out for me. It does sound Cajun. That was a new one. It does sound Cajun. I'm not Cajun.
2: It was, it was, it was a little uh, Coach O in there. Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but, but look – Tua is doing exactly what the offense calls upon him to do. And this is why Mike McDaniel is a candidate yes. for Coach of the Year. See, this is what makes it harder yes. for Nathaniel Hackett and Josh McDaniels to stay employed. You've yes. got guys who are showing that they know what they're doing. O'Connell, McDaniel, not McDaniels, not Hackett, makes it very hard, very hard. Why can't I have one of those guys? Why can't I? I remember when Andy Reid, his first year with the Chiefs, after he got fired by the Eagles. I said Andy Reid's going to get a lot of coaches fired because owners are going to think, I don't I just go pluck a guy, you know, I just bring a new guy in and everything's going to be fine. This could get some guys fired, both who currently have jobs and in the future, if you can go out and find yourself a Kevin O'Connell or a Mike McDaniel who can do what their respective teams are doing. My, my first and only one, because we've talked too much about the Vikings-Bills games, Sims likes to say rubbing is racing. That's his justification for stuff happens on the field and you shouldn't always throw a flag. I say running ain't winning for the Bears. This is a hell of a fact. The Bears are the first team in league history, according to NFL research, with five straight games of 225 or more rushing yards. The problem is they're one in four in those games. So uh, they, they presumably have more wins than one and it was that game three weeks ago tonight against the Patriots where they 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 shocked New England but otherwise they they just keep losing I mean they they feel like they're a better team than they are they just can't get the outcome and that defense has really betrayed them gee you know you trade away Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith and I guess you shouldn't be surprised when you can't stop the Lions the Lions for crying out loud but Justin Fields is phenomenal that run but it came right after an ugly pick six so Fields has a chance to be a superstar, but they've got some things they got to iron out in Chicago, and they're going to have the money and the draft picks this offseason to build the team around him. There's reason for hope in Chicago because Fields potentially is the best guy from that 2021 quarterback class.
2: Yeah, and the other guy that was the number one overall pick of that class is in the game that I'm about to talk about, and that's Kansas City Chiefs versus the Jacksonville Jaguars where we got Tony, Tony, Tony. Because Kadarius Tony, I mean, he looks like he's gonna feel good there wow. in Kansas City, fits in just fine, you know, really displayed his talent. Because everybody's saying, let's get down with 90 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown and uh, a touchdown and six touches. I mean, some might say that it was like the Jags defense was saying, get whatever you want, especially on that touchdown where the nearest defender was 20 yards away from him, which is basically like they, they were in Kansas. All right, I mean, this is ridiculous. How in the world does Tony get that wide open? Patrick Mahomes actually said after the game that he was yelling, hey, Adam, because he was that far open. So, I mean, look, Mahomes has been great, but when you add somebody like Tony to that de- uh, that offense and you're able to get things going with him when Nicole Hardman's out, Juju Smith-Schuster has to exit the game, Tony steps up, and uh, this might be a game that he will remember with
0: an entry in his diary. By the way, Tony, Tony, Tony. None of them spelled it like Tony. It was T-O-N-Y, T-O-N-I, and T-O-N-E, all with exclamation points. There was no (laughs) T-O-N-E-Y. So maybe they could add a fourth Tony to the mix if they would get back together. They broke up in 1997, however, so that's probably not happening. Uh, The thing on Juju Smith-Schuster, I still don't understand why that wasn't a flag for that hit that he took. Um, Vicious.
2: Which we'll talk, talk Look, about tell later in the show. We're going to
0: talk about that coming up later in the show. So anyway, I, if I if I see they rejected my suggested rundown for the program, segment one: Vikings Bills. Segment two: Vikings Bills. Segment three: <laughs> You just point. didn't check. Let's what take a the break. rest of the show. was supposed didn't. to be. I'm I'm working off of my suggested outline. More PFT live, <laughs> right after this. What you guys look to change
1: in that second half? Because it did look like things were moving a little faster in that second half offensively.
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely. We got our tempo up. And, I mean, honestly, we just stopped shooting ourselves in the foot. Let's just yeah. be honest. Yeah. Our first half wasn't very pretty besides uh, the three points. Uh, we had one good drive out that. We were three and out. Weren't clicking very well. I know we had a couple MAs probably. So, uh, that second half, I think everyone just refocused and... We're a good football team. We didn't show that very well in the first half, but the second half we came out there. Defense, special teams, offense, we all played at a high level, and that's what got us to win. That's
0: George Kittle on Sunday Night Football Final. It's available on demand on Peacock until 7 p.m. Eastern. Highlights, analysis, interviews, discussion. Not just the Sunday night game, of all games that were played on the 10th Sunday of the regular season in the nightcap the 49ers beat the chargers 22 to 16 the 49ers saved us from the embarrassment of becoming a meme because everybody on football night in america picked the 49ers to win no one was willing to take the chargers bullet to ensure that the upset wouldn't happen and look the 49ers looked a little sluggish coming out of their bye it wasn't pretty but they ultimately got it done they got to five and four and hey miles if they, I said this last night, if they can keep their core players healthy, they are the most dangerous team in the NFC. Notwithstanding anything we've said about the Vikings and the Eagles, they're a team that can go on the road in January and win games. All due respect to the the shortcomings of Jimmy G, the team is good enough to even overcome the most Jimmy G of Jimmy G moments.
2: Well, right. I mean, you've got to have your guys healthy thing. You've got to get your contributors to actually contribute well. I and mean, Brandon Ayuk had a bad first half. He dropped a touchdown, you know, and, and one of those other things that you need from the 49ers is him to be that guy that he can be relied upon. And so he was that, that guy in the second half and he was able to convert some key third downs. That was huge. And you don't necessarily get the most contributions from Christian McCaffrey, but you look at that offense and when they have Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey, and Debo Samuel running at you like that, that's really, really hard to stop. Now, Chargers, you got to give them some credit for making those stops in the red zone as they did. And I think that's one of those big things that the 49ers are going to have to fix. How do we make sure that once we get down there, we punch that thing in? And, you know, of course, if Brandon Ayuk doesn't drop the ball, then that's one of those things. But at the same time, I, I had a sense the entire time of that game that the 49ers were going to win it. And it's felt like, man, why aren't they doing a little bit better here? You know, they get down into that zone and it's like, yeah, you really should be winning here. But look at all the movement. Look at all the motion that they've got. You know, there's so much that this 49ers offense can do. And when you've got a mind like Kyle Shanahan, you anticipate that they're going to be able to get that thing done offensively. So I, I agree with you that they are a very dangerous team as long as they get healthy and they stay healthy.
0: You know, it's funny. They did a thing last night for social media uh, where they asked us what our favorite touchdown celebration is. And I said my favorite is when the big lineman gets the ball to spike it and he's really going to, like, pop it 50 feet in the air and it just dribbles away. And there it was last night. The (laughs) classic lineman, I am going to crush this. And it's just kind of – here it is. Here it is. Yes, this is my chance. This is my chance. I'm going to – That's kind of the night for the Chargers. They fall to 5-4. and four. No points scored at all in the second half. The defense Ugh. really, really stepped up for the 49ers. 52 yards, no points for the Chargers. Elijah Mitchell, uh, in his return, helped, helped justify the trade of Jeff Wilson Jr. had 89 yards. Uh, and uh, we're going to see the Chargers again. We're going to see him again. I I had a story. It's funny. I'll put stories in draft. I'll put the headline in that I intend to get to, and sometimes I do, and Mm -hmm. sometimes I don't. And I had a story about we're going to see – we're going to learn a lot about Justin Herbert the next two weeks because we got two games, standalone, primetime, Sunday night. Let's see where he is. Let's see where he's going. I don't know. Is that rib still bothering him? I don't know. But he's not – you know, going into the season, it's Mahomes Allen with Justin Herbert just like a half-click below – and then yeah, you figure Burrow. out the rest of them, right? With Brian, right, yeah. right? And it's Allen and Mahomes are here, but I don't know where Herbert's kind of in the scrum. He's right. Yeah, he's in the scrum, and is it? And see, here's the thing: it can't be him. It's got to be the coaching. That that's going to be the Chargers' position. So, if they're willing to pay Sean Payton, they can. They can. Uh, that that's a topic for another day. But I was talking well, to somebody about this last week because because the, the idea is Dean Spanos won't pay Sean Payton. Well, mm-hmm. I mean. A great coach is worth every penny. I said this a few years ago. If I have to choose between paying Jared Goff $33 million and paying Bill Belichick $23 million, it's Belichick 100 out of 100 times. I mean, if it's $33 million for Belichick or Goff, I'm paying the $33 million for Belichick. It's amazing coaches don't make more, and it's amazing more teams last year. You know, the Dolphins got in trouble for trying to hire Sean Payton. Hell, more teams should have been trying to hire Sean Payton last year. Well, you have a proven commodity at head coach who can come in, you pair him up with a great young quarterback, and you, you you can have a team that's a consistent contender. Year in and year out, you're in the conversation for postseason and deep into the postseason. I know the Saints only won one Super Bowl, but once they got past the aftermath of the bounty nonsense because everybody was doing exactly what the Saints were doing, it was a cultural issue. It wasn't a Saints issue, and the Saints got singled out for it. Once that subsided – they were a perennial playoff contender. They just kept, they just kept having their hearts ripped out in new and innovative ways every postseason.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Nikhil Ruby Coleman. Uh so I here's one thing that I want to say about the Chargers. And they, I was listening to the broadcast last night, and they mentioned this that uh Brad and Staley had talked about, oh, why aren't people talking about us? You know, we're five and three and we've had all these injuries. That's like, whoa, 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 man. We've seen this team play. Now, what do you mean? This is something that Jason Kelsey has talked about on the podcast he has with Travis Kelsey. And of course I listened to it because they're Cleveland kids and I'm a Cleveland kid. But he said, you control the narrative, right? So if you're the Chargers and you keep going to games and you lose like that, right? You know, you you play the Jaguars at home and you have a terrible loss. You should have lost to the Browns because you had a terrible coaching decision and you could have lost to the Broncos on that God awful Monday night game. it's not like we haven't seen this team play. And I know that they're playing without Keenan Allen. And I understand that they're playing without Mike Williams. And that really is an issue when you're talking about a young quarterback and does he have his weapons and it's this and it's that, but we're watching the chargers play and they're not playing well enough. You know, you're, you're watching the chargers play and they're trying to substitute when the the 49ers offense is getting down toward the goal line and they're not substituting, you can't put in your goal line package there. It's day one stuff. If the offense doesn't substitute, you can't substitute. So it's like, well, why aren't they talking about us? Well, because you're not winning games in critical situations or making the plays in critical situations or making the critical coaching decisions that really elevate you to play winning football. So that stuff, that stuff, yeah, it kind of grates me. Oh, why aren't they talking about us? Yeah, yeah. Go win games. Yeah. Go win-, win games and we'll talk about you more positively.
0: Yeah. Win games in impressive fashion. Don't, don't. Don't win games despite all of your best or worst efforts to sabotage your own interests. You've got to be a more yeah. impressive overall operation. And look, to use the very timely reference that I always employ with the Chargers, Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, it's always something. With them, it's always something. really is. and it's going to be a new coach if they don't if they don't watch it here for the balance of we're the still
2: season. Five and four.
0: <laughs> I know but we're supposed yeah, to break. I, I know we're supposed to break, but Look, the show ends at nine o'clock. Either way, so we do whatever sure. we want. Frankly, I know that, and I shouldn't be saying that while I'm actually here. <laughs> it's probably a, a, a more prudent comment for when I'm 500 miles away, miles. But the, yeah. the, the Dre Greenlaw ejection, I, I just want to comment on this because there was a pool report last night. Walt Anderson uh, earned his paycheck yesterday. There were like there were multiple pool reports from Walt Anderson, but this play at the time like when i saw this okay um like what's the foul here and if it was a running back would have would, would would there even have been a conversation about a foul much less an ejection that's what made it even more amazing anderson explained that this was a flagrant violation of the rule against lowering the helmet and initiating contact and and that would be fine if they threw that flag every time someone does that that happens all game long and one thing I learned back in August apparently they find a lot of guys for this that we don't know about because they only Mm. tell us the fines when you at such a stupid we have to ask did you find that did you find Jalen Ramsey for taking his helmet off no we didn't okay did you find so, we don't even, it's like we're going to study film and look at every instance where it looks like somebody may have lowered their helmet to initiate contact and it wasn't flagged. Did you find him for that? Apparently, they do. So, I think what made it so jarring was you never, or at least rarely, have that flag even thrown to have someone ejected for it. When you look at it and say, what could Dre Greenlaw have done differently in that moment when a six foot five inch quarterback decides he's not going to slide? He's gonna fall forward like a running back does. What is Dre Greenlaw supposed to do there?
2: Right. It's it, to me, it looks like a football play. You know, he said that I saw the pool report. it said, "Well, the quarterback was down." At what point was the quarterback down before he initiates contact? Yeah,
0: I mean, the He's knees not. down. The knees down there as like, he a, is a split a second, a split, a, a nanosecond. The the player yeah. is down. Yeah, when you've already committed. See, that's the problem with these rules, and and what happens is and. For more, you can buy Playmakers, which gets behind the scenes as to what really happened with this lowering the helmet rule. This wasn't a football rule. This was a PR slash safety slash legal rule that was crafted by the two Jeffs, Jeff Miller, who's in charge of PR and safety, which is probably not the best. I should, I'd say it's kind of dawned on me before you're in charge of health and safety and PR you may want to have two separate silos there in any organization and you got the chief lawyer. They came together and they crafted this rule back in 2018, rammed it through without any of the football people having any say it created chaos in the preseason that year. And it, and so it's just kind of there and it just randomly gets seized upon in a moment like last night. That's why I have a problem with it. It's not practical. It ignores the realities of football. And it's this, it's this catch all flag we can throw whenever there's an outcome that just looks too, too football, too dangerous. Sure. Too sh- yeah. We got to do something. What are we going to do here? Well, let's just say he was lowering his helmet. They're telling me to, telling me yeah. to break. I mean, and since yeah. I'm not 500 miles away, I probably Better should break. listen. We got uh, more. The Jeff Saturday coaching debut. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this.
1: We all get involved. Everybody's getting the game ball, man, because we all put it in. Everybody gets a game ball, and my favorite thing about football: victory Monday. We'll see y'all.
0: Oh! Jeff Saturday, getting done on Sunday. Wow, that was something. Because look, the fact that they won does not change how crazy and zany and upside down last Monday was. We had to reconvene an emergency episode of PFTPM to try to figure out what Jim Irsay was doing. And we concluded by saying, is there actually a chance he's going to go outside the organization and hire an interim coach? Because at the time, we didn't know. And he did. And he brought in Jeff Saturday. And it really was a week. And then the quarterback who supposedly was starting for the rest of the season, according to head coach Frank Reich, Sam Ellinger. He gets benched, surprisingly, from Matt Ryan. I mean, the information going into the game was, oh, Ryan took some first-team reps on Friday. You know, maybe we'll see him again. Yeah, we saw him. We saw him for Jeff Saturday's debut, even though Saturday himself said Ellinger is the starting quarterback. So that was something. That they won that game, and I don't know, does it say something really good about Saturday? Or does it say something really bad about the Las Vegas Raiders?
2: A uh, little of column A, a lot of column B,
0: <laughs> you know?
2: I mean, look, Jeff Saturday wasn't going to come in and overhaul everything. You can't do that. He's never been a head coach before. He told Peter King, I'm watching him on this thing on the sideline, and the game was going so fast compared to when I was a player. It's like, oh, man, I looked up, and half the game's over, and then I look up again, and we're in the fourth quarter, and it's like okay, you know, his job was to sort of rally everybody and get them to play good football, to borrow a phrase from Dick Vermeil. But I, I mean, I was not shocked by this result because I said the entire week, if there is any team that will lose a game to a high school coach, it is the 2022 Las Vegas Raiders. And lo and behold, they went out and they did it.
0: Yeah, and um, it really does make you wonder what it means for Josh McDaniels. And again, but for the buyout, and Mark Davis had to reach a contract settlement with John Gruden last year and he would have to pay McDaniels a ton of money. But for the buyout, McDaniels would be coordinator of the New England Patriots offense by Christmas, I believe. Yeah. cuz Mark Davis isn't one of these, you know, mega billionaires. He he'd have to dig deep with the cash flow to buy out Josh McDaniels and he'd also have to admit his mistake. He hired him, you know. In Denver, number one, the buyout's not an issue for the Walmart moguls, and number two, they didn't hire Nathaniel Hackett, so no big deal. See you later. Right. Mark Davis is going to have to admit I screwed this up. I should have kept Rich Basacchia and Mike Mayock in place as he should have. I was saying at the time he should have. I mean, it's like he's got this magic ace up his sleeve. I'm finally going to lure Josh McDaniels away from New England and. It's entirely possible that Josh McDaniels is the latest example of Norv Turner, Wade Phillips, the guys who are so great as coordinators, they continue to get chances to be head coaches. They go back to be coordinators. They're so great again, well, they're ready now to be head coaches. This time it'll be different. It's a fundamental difference in skill sets. And some guys are excellent as coordinators, but then when you give them the next step, and you don't know until you do it. That's that's what's so fascinating about it. You don't know whether or not a guy is going to step up and do that very different job of head coach until you just say, there you go, you're operating without a net, try not to fall.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you you bring up North Turner and Wade Phillips, but, I mean, at least those guys could win some games, get to the playoffs a little bit. Now this Josh McDaniels team is entirely disappointing, and I think you're right, you know, but for this buyout, man, I just but I, I listen to some of the things that players are saying. I'm reading things that players are saying, and I watch this football team, and it's like, I have no idea how you are going to get a group of men to buy into what it is that you're saying after you go out there and you don't have a good enough plan to beat a coach who was an ESPN NFL analyst a week ago and a play caller on offense who had never called a play before. And a quarterback who looked terrible throughout the entire season until he was replaced by a six round pick from 2021. They allowed a 39 yard run to Matt Ryan yesterday, 39 yards. His career longest run was 20 yards. I mean, come on, man. I, I just I, – I don't know what's going on there, but I, I have a hard time thinking how in the world is this going to get better?
0: The guy calling players for the Colts three years ago was picking up Frank Reich's dry cleaning. He was the assistant to the head coach. I mean, Sims was saying that last week. I didn't know what the assistant to the head coach did sims does goes out and gets coffee picks up dry cleaning whatever the head coach needs because the head coach is fully committed to coaching the team so there's a lot of other stuff the coach needs and the assistant to the head coach goes and does all that stuff that the coach doesn't have time to do which makes sense but that's what he was doing three years ago credit to parks frazier for getting it done uh no credit to the raiders and you know let's go ahead and we got time we're gonna we're gonna carve out not we're gonna we're gonna shut up for 90 seconds so we can hear Derek Carr. Talking about the situation in Las Vegas, place he's been his entire career, second round pick in 2014. This is a low point. This is the Man lowest knows. of the low points of the Raiders. Here's Josh, not Josh McDaniels, but Derek Carr from yesterday.
1: You know, I, love, I love Josh. I love the car. I love our coaches. Um, they've had nothing but success, you know, way more success than I've ever had, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry. um, You know, to finish that, sorry for being emotional, I'm just pissed off about some of the things, you know, that a lot of us try and do just to practice what we put our bodies through just to sleep at night. And for that to be the result of all that effort pisses me off. Pisses a lot of guys off. It's hard knowing what some guys are doing. Like I said, just to practice what they're putting in their body just to sleep at night. Like just so we can be there for each other. (sighs) And I wish everybody in that room felt the same way about this place. And as a leader, that pisses me off. If I'm being honest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> honest and candid. Uh honest, candid, blunt, everything. It, it was it was kind of an amalgamation of Al Pacino, "Son of a woman, I'm just getting warmed up, and Terrell Owens, post Cabo, that's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Like like kinda I, I'm sorry. I okay, know. let me
2: let me say this because Look, I, I covered Derek Carr on a day-to-day basis in 2019. My condolences. <laughs> you threw me off there for a second. <laughs> I believe that he is genuine when he says he loves the Raiders. I mean, I don't think that I I, I don't think you can do what he's done for as long as he's done it and, and not really feel that way about the silver and black as he called it yesterday you know it, it, there's a lot there for him and he said at one point you know this is kind of nine years of stuff spilling over and so that really is what the problem is All right I'm checking my watch earlier that's the Walmart people making enough money to have enough money to uh, fire Nathaniel Hacken and pay that buyout you're right Mark Davis doesn't have that kind of cash on hand it just is not necessarily the way that the Raiders are constructed right now but again if You don't think that Derek Carr is the franchise quarterback that you need, then it's going to be him that's gone this offseason because you cannot continue to have something like that happen, right? Where your franchise quarterback is standing at the podium that emotional because you lost that game that way. You're two and seven after you were supposed to be better because you're supposed to have upgraded things when you got rid of Rich Versace and Mike Mayock after they held that team together through a crazy, crazy season, right? They got to the playoffs. They gave the Bengals all that they could handle. I mean, now you're here. You shouldn't be here. And so there's a reason for that. And it's not going to keep working. It just doesn't work when your quarterback is saying that.
0: I don't know if the emotion was real or contrived. I don't. I don't know who the intended recipient of his message was. Was it the coach? Was it teammates? At one point, he says, I wish others in, in, in here felt this way. Yeah. I don't get it. Or whether whether it was just him beginning to pen his farewell because he knows the way this contract. Remember, go, oh, another $40 million quarterback. Yeah, you, with an easy out right after the Super you Bowl. You
2: called it at the beginning, and I, I gave you hell for it. But, well, you know, and, and you're and looking look, right look, now.
0: Look, it's going to defy the etiquette of the way teams handle contracts because when you put that trigger that guarantees the, the rest of the – or like the next year's salary right after the Super Bowl, that's not supposed to be – we're going to cut him. That's just a financial tool to manage the escrow and all that stuff. Not, we're, we're still committed to him. That's what that right. message is. They, they may not be, and who knows what's going to happen. All bets are off, literally and figuratively, in Las Vegas for the Raiders. So let's take a break. We'll have more PFT Live for you right after this. Cooper Cup injured an ankle two weeks ago in the loss to the 49ers. Injured it again, the same ankle, fourth quarter of yesterday's loss to the Cardinals. It wasn't clear at first what was happening. Sean McVay said he didn't have an update. It didn't look good. Early reports are that Cup avoided the worst-case scenario, which has prompted some smart-assery on Twitter as to what the worst-case scenario really is. I'm not going to... I'm not going to reduce myself to the level that I've already dropped to in our text chain. I don't know what worst case scenario is for an ankle injury. I don't know. When the Rams it, I,
2: season is already in worst case yeah, scenario, yeah.
0: so it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but uh, uh, regardless, the, the Rams have. You know, we, you had the Rams, the Packers, and the Bucks a couple of weeks ago. They're all kind of in this. Is one of them going to rise up? Is one of them going to sink? And now two of them, you know, the Bucks have won two in a row, the Packers get a win, and the Rams just keep sinking.
2: Yeah. The, the the Rams season is effectively over. I mean, they they had no shot yesterday with John Wolford, at quarterback, which is unfortunate, but you know, it, the Rams, the problem is team construction. You don't have a backup quarterback that can win you at least one game. That's a problem.
0: I really thought we'd see a lot more Bryce Perkins. I mean, I don't know why. As John. I don't know. I mean, John Wolford runs the offense. Is that why he's there? He does everything that's asked of him. I don't know, but you're right. He's not a guy who should be playing in an NFL game. All due respect. Congratulations on your accomplishments. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to be an ass here, but they're it's pass fail. And for Wolford, it's fail. Well, that's the conclusion I came to yesterday. Um, Juju Smith Schuster. I started to mention this earlier because I hadn't looked at the official rundown. I was relying on my rundown. But Juju Smith Schuster suffered a concussion with a vicious hit. They threw the flag. They picked it up. They had a pool report where they said they didn't think it was helmet to helmet. They thought it was shoulder to shoulder. Well, he got concussed and Marquez Valdez-Scantling put it very well after the game, are they really protecting us? And he was upset. Other Chiefs players were upset. It doesn't change the outcome, Miles, but you just want to know that they're at least putting actions behind their words about how they're committed to health and safety.
2: If that Justin Herbert play led to not only a foul but an ejection, then that play that happened against Juju Smith-Schuster should have as well.
0: We see makeup calls in games. I wonder if – the ejection of Greenlaw was the bright, shiny object, we still care about health and safety reaction to the failure to even penalize the Cisco hit. I mean, it, it's it's all one The flag one was down and
2: they picked it up. It's unacceptable.
0: I know, but it's all. But what I'm saying is what they did yeah, last night yeah. in ejecting him was maybe to make up for the poor handling of the Juju Smith shoes to play. We'll be back to wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live right after this.
3: 11 day break they played Thursday
0: of week 9 it is Monday of week 10 they welcome the commanders to town the eagles are 8-0 and they got a little pressure on them to hold that one seed the vikings are creeping up on them not that not that they really have to worry especially tonight miles am i do the commanders have any chance at all tonight any chance yeah
2: they have a chance because it's a division rival you know division rivals pretty well that's true. so that's true good point you know and it's not like carson wentz is coming back into the link so that also changes things a little bit but i picked the eagles tonight
0: will they still boo carson wentz even if he's not in uniform i bet they will another reason yeah. to tune in tonight and tune in tomorrow for pft live thanks for some of your time have a great day